This is the Extra Innings Podcast. We're going to Extra Innings. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down all the latest with the blue. Hosted by Dodger insider and award-winning reporter. You have one for most entertaining talk show host to listen to while on the way to work. David Bassett. Welcome to episode three of Extra Innings presented by Corona. We have a great podcast for you today. Andre Ethier will join us in a surprise cameo appearance. But first, we have a very special guest on the line, one of the great award-winning musicians in our country, in the world. He is a huge Dodger fan, and he is West Virginia's own Brad Paisley. Brad Thanks a lot for the time. It's awesome having you on the show. Hi, David. I'm thrilled to uh, actually be on this. I listen almost every night, so it's gonna be it's gonna be weird for me. This is one I'm gonna have to skip. I have a feeling. <laughs> well, you know, you're indicting yourself, so Clayton and Justin Turner might look down on you for being such a, a big listener to what I do. Yeah, you're probably right. They'll, they, they'll tell me to get a life. <laughs> and don't call Kershaw Slider a cutter. He'll get upset about that, too. <laughs> oh, I know better than that. Brad, I, the one thing that I, you know, took me by surprise, you know, I've seen you in those press conferences. You pop your head during the playoffs. I've seen you at games. How does a kid from West Virginia who lives in Nashville, Tennessee, become such a huge Dodger fan? You know, when I married... Kim, uh, we started dating in 2000, end of 2001, beginning of 2002, and uh, she was living in Santa Monica, and I would fly out to spend time with her there, and I think it was around that time that I just started going to some games. I think the last, it, what's funny is the national anthem, when I was a new artist, I was invited to sing the anthem at a Dodger game, and I did it, and that was the last time I think I sang the anthem until they were in the World Series. And that was like the year 2000 when I sang it. And so they became sort of my home team when we started living part-time in California. You know, Nashville doesn't have a team, so I just really got into the culture of it and sort of chose them, uh, you know, in, in the sense that, hey, it's a, it, was, it was baseball games that I could go to when we lived there. So I uh, – I just love and, – and also when you get to know the guys on this team, like I've gotten to know Clayton and Justin and got to know Jock before he's now left and, and Chris Taylor, and it, these are the best human beings in the world. They're just – they are a classy, classy bunch. Wow. You know, before we get to those guys, that classy bunch, 2,000 Dodgers. That was Eric Karros. That was Adrian Beltre. That was Alex Corradays. Yeah, that was way back. And it's interesting because I don't remember much at all about the game I sang at. I stayed for it. <laughs> I, but it's funny. I got a, I got a bunch of swag, and, and I got a baseball cap that I'm actually wearing today, ironically. Awesome. That so They gave me, like, a Dodger cap, and I got one of those great Dodger jackets that you always see Dave Roberts wearing when it's cold. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've had that since then. But that hat, I looked back and realized the day that Huck, my first son, was born, I was wearing that hat. And that's what I was wearing for two days in the hospital and wore it home. And I realized that on his birthday this year, 
I was like, oh, look, this is that old hat. It's all ratty, and it looks like the one Kershaw always wears. Right. Um, and it's it's like I realize now it's like how far this team has come since then. It's crazy. Yeah, the last eight years, this run of success is unprecedented in Dodger history. And all of a sudden, Brad Paisley is showing up at Dodger games. He's, you know, getting Clayton Kershaw to come up on stage and sing with him. Is that is that your first connection to these group of players that you really got to know well and help with their charities? They help you with your charities. Is is he and Ellen the first ones that really connected with you? Yeah, definitely. And he he had reached out years ago. Uh, to see if I could sing at one of his events, and I couldn't then. And so out of the blue a few years back, I, I just said to him, I said, hey, don't don't stop asking just because I said, oh, just because I couldn't make the first time you asked. And, you know, and in that sense, um, th- thankfully they've, they've enlisted my help uh, and Kim's help with some of what they do, and they have helped with our charity. Um, I've learned, I, I think as a couple, Kim and I have learned – the most from Clayton and Ellen, as far as that goes, just watching how throughout their marriage, all these years, they have just done good things. And yeah. And then, you know, since then getting to know Turner and Courtney and, and these guys, it's just, it's really, it's really inspiring what this team does. I just did a thing for Chris Taylor, who was raising money for a children's hospital. And I mean, it's 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 never an imposition when this team is doing good to help out. Brad, before we dive into more baseball, everything that you just said right there is is true. But you and your wife, Kim, do a lot. And I just read a story about how you and Kim in Nashville, Tennessee, did something that really will help your community by starting a nonprofit grocery store during the pandemic. So many people are hungry out there. They need shelter. They need clothing. And if there is one way to help them through each day, it's by starting a a free grocery store. Uh, How did you guys come up with that concept? And has it has it turned out to be everything you thought it would be? Yeah, uh, it's been a lot of things we didn't think it would be because of this pandemic. But we started five years ago on the idea based on one in Santa Barbara that we take our kids to to volunteer called unity shop. And it was the best model I've ever seen for a charity. So we kind of modified it for Nashville. And I partnered up with my, my college Belmont university, which is where Matt Beatty went. Um, believe it or not. And yeah. that's a great guy. He is the only, I think he's the only baseball player out of Belmont to ever go on to the majors. And I, I it's funny because when I met Matt at a Dodger thing, I said to him, I said, you know, I said, I'm so proud of you coming from Belmont, and I didn't even know we had a baseball team till just now. <laughs> but, but you know, that's how good Matt is. He comes out of a school that's really not – I mean, it's not Vandy. You know what I mean? Vanderbilt, no. that's – obviously, you got your share of those too. But I, with our charity, we were looking at this one in Santa Barbara that was – the idea is that it's just like a corner grocery it feels very, very normal to a family, and there's dignity in choice. And when a family gets down their luck and loses their job, uh, the husband and, and wife or the father or mother may feel a, really self-conscious about getting a handout in front of their children. But this place feels like you're in a store. So that's why it's called the store. You can push the kids around a shopping cart. They never know 
that you're getting free food. It feels like they're at the store. And what's ironic is that this thing was ready to go. We got our permit March 1st last year. And lo and behold, uh, all hell breaks loose. And we were able to get it up and running and immediately had to sort of change things a bit and do a lot of deliveries for elderly. And uh, we, we kind of planned on getting 300,000 meals out there the first year. We ended up hitting a million meals served by January. And, and that's just something that I don't think we could have done if we didn't have to. But in the end, it was divine intervention to get this thing out there by the time that it was needed. Damn, Brad, that is such a great concept. And I could identify with that a little bit because I was raised by my mom who was single. Her husband had bankrupt her. She was trying to raise two kids and she didn't want any handouts. And luckily, we never got to that point. But you're right that. That's tough for just an everyday middle class family where, especially during the pandemic, they lose their job and they don't want to feel like uh, they're showing their kids they're taking a handout. So that's that's really a great concept. Yeah, it's been it's been a learning curve to get it going, but we're really lucky that it was ready to go before all this happened. And we we've had, you know, three to five times the need we ever imagined, as you can imagine, during the pandemic. All right, Brad Paisley, let's talk some ball now. I mean, you're so awesome in everything you do in everyday life. Let's talk some baseball here. The first thing is, where were you when the Dodgers won the World Series? You talked about that old ratty hat. Did you have it on? Were your wife and kids with you when they got that final strikeout of Willie Adamas in Game 6? Yes, I I had the hat on. I was in our house uh sitting on the couch and i think my kids came up and stood beside me (laughs) watching the final out and uh you know and and broke down i mean it was so emotional and and last year's the first year in a long time that i never got to see a game in person and uh i've toyed with going to dallas to see him uh and ended up just thinking you know what it's just such a it's it's just so easy to watch at home, I'm going to do that. And I also didn't want to jinx him by actually going to a game <laughs> when I hadn't been all year. But uh, I did do the I did the canned national anthem for one of the games in the World Series, which they played. Um, I was you know, there. I saw it. On the video. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sh- I shot that on our ball fields here in Franklin, <laughs> uh, where, where my kids used to take t-ball. I just went down there. There was nobody there and sang it all alone <laughs> on the diamond. Yeah, it looked like that. And I'm all, where is he? It was so <laughs> surreal. But I, I'll never forget the moment. And, um, I mean, so, so fantastic. And everybody's talked about Kirsch running out and that. But it really was – so much of it was about watching this man who's deserved this for so long be part of a team that finally won it. You know, I know you appreciate what Kershaw has gone through his entire career, the heartache, and finally – getting that chance to win the World Series. Musicians are so process-oriented. Do you feel like your love for baseball and your appreciation for Clayton is because of the process he goes through to be as great as he is? Yeah, there's some of that. We've talked about um, his process versus mine. Like when he's come to a show or when I've when I've been at a game. I've been at games when he's pitching, and, you know, I stay out of his way like everybody else. Yeah. I, barely, I won't even text him on the day he's pitching. <laughs> I just don't even. Brad, when like, I'm in the clubhouse, I look at the carpet when he walks by. I don't even make eye contact with him. 
Yeah, he's like the humble, the this amazing down to earth, really, really humble, grounded guy. And on game day, he's Elvis. Don't look at him. Don't you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Don't, he's a, he he becomes like the nightmare scenario uh, diva, doesn't he? Yeah, he just gets into this like Frankenstein mode. And I think in, it, it's funny process wise. I'm the type when I play a concert. You know, like they're like, shouldn't you get dressed? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And I, I walk back and just sort of throw clothes on. And they're like, what, what's your ritual before you play? I'm like, I make sure I brush my teeth. <laughs> I just walk out and play. I don't really. You're I don't not really Kershaw. Have any, I'm not. I'm nothing like him that way. Mm-mm. That's interesting. How about when you write music? No, I think I think writing music is such a. You know, the beauty of what I do is that you know you can take your time. There's nothing pressing typically. Um, and in, in pitching, I mean, you know, he's when he wakes up in the morning, he's got he's got a destination in mind, which is like, you know, 6 p.m. on the mound. He's game day. And it's, you know, I, I, I it's uh, it's a different thing. Music is the other thing is like music. There's no winning and losing in music, really, per se, even though award shows try to make it that way. It's really everybody wins when you play a good show and. And so there's the pressure is less, um, you know, on any given day, half of the fans out there want him to want him to lose. So that's a pressure that I don't feel. All right. So you're a huge Dodger fan. How concerned were you that they were not going to come back from a three games to one deficit in the NLCS? Did you think it was over or did you have faith? I, I had some faith. I also, though, you know, when you've watched year after year where something went wrong, you know, it's hard to get that out of your head. My biggest concern was, uh, I think, game four of the World Series, honestly, Be- where where was it game four where everything went wrong? Well, oh, in like the a, World a Series? And ga- yeah, yeah, when uh, Rosarena stumbled home and, yeah, the error by Taylor, all of that, yeah. See, I've got a whiskey bar on the farm here in Tennessee that is that was sitting empty all year during the pandemic. So my dad and I sat at the bar and watched that game, fully expecting to see like Clayton get to close out the next night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and win the whole thing for us. And then I remember screaming and throwing stuff when when that. You were in the right place, though. At at a bar, you were at the right place for that type of game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We needed everything we had at that point (laughs) to get through the night. You heard about the story of this text chain, though, that really got everybody regrouped. And Kershaw was the first one to text the entire team on this text chain after that loss to pick everybody up and to keep their heads in the right spot because it could have gone sideways. Yeah, it's they that was that was see, I wasn't obviously a part of anything like that. So I didn't know what was going on mentally that night um, in their mind. But that's the thing you worry about as a fan is you worry that the momentum shifted that night for the rest of the series. But thankfully, they came back. They, you know, Kirsch had that thing locked down and they ended up being able to win the entire thing in the nick of time, it turns out. being that it was just about to be shut down because of positive tests. Lo and behold, there was so much of last season that was just in some ways storybook 
and you couldn't write the script. It's interesting. It's fun to think about the mental stuff that goes on with these guys and how they come through the adversity they've come through over years of everything from what happened with the Astros to, to, you know, being disappointed in many different ways. And I, I'm just impressed at their resilience. Brad Paisley, I know you've been a Dodger fan for a long time, and I know you've surprised a lot of people in your life, and I have a surprise for you. And I will just let this former Dodger introduce himself, and we'll see where it goes and see whether or not you enjoyed watching him play. Okay. All right, former Dodger, say hello to Brad Paisley. Hey, Brad, how you doing? I don't know if it's a surprise, but uh, this is me and uh, Dave's normal dead air time when we fill with our podcast, and I'm glad to be on. This is Andre Ethier. How you doing today? Hey, Andre, how are you? Great to talk to you. Good, very good. I I hope you liked him, Brad. I hope you liked him as a player. If you didn't, I can hang up on him right now. I loved him. Absolutely. (laughs) This is great. Thank you for picking him. Well, well, at least least, uh, one of you on the other end liked me. Dave did it so much. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Brad, do you remember uh, how intense Andre used to play the game? You talk about the mental side of the game. This guy was one of the most locked-in, mentally ba- mentally tough baseball players. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and and uh, I think I think Kershaw learned from you. Oh, I don't know. Wrong. I, 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 I've never seen anyone with uh, Kershaw's. Uh, daily routine that kept it up from day one. And um, we've talked about this. Me and Dave have talked about this in the past, and uh, I'll gladly share with you if you've heard about it. You know, there's a certain table he sits on every day. There's a place he goes and plays a little short hop catch with on a wall and it starts, and he does it every single time. And if you're a new guy and you don't know that routine and you walk by, you might get a, a evil glare or look from Kirsch being like, get out of my space and get out of my way and, uh, it's a pretty funny thing to be around. But then, as we know, and you know uh, well enough, Brad, uh, you know, Kirsch is the most approachable, easygoing guy when it's not that day he's starting. So, um, oh, I know. You know, it's, it's so funny. I've heard the story of, of him, like, on the massage table and somebody changed, turned the TV on and he, <laughs> he shot a look. I think it was Turner that told me that story. He said he just didn't realize he was getting like, he was like getting, you know, his muscles worked out before he pitched. And he went and turned the TV on and said, man, you just thought he wanted to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. He he would give you an evil look. He, well, he, his big thing was he liked to maybe listen to a certain game or, or even have a dead silent. And if you change that mojo during his uh, pregame warmup, you know, muscle rub down, uh, you definitely got an evil look and, you know, it would be like dead silence, you know, like when someone drops something and it just goes dead silent in the room, that's what it would happen every time. And it was kind of comical. Uh, like you said, when guys didn't know the routine, they, they would get that, uh, you know, Kershaw, uh, you know, side eye out of you, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be a part of that. And, you know, I know we've always been lucky enough to have, uh, you as a, uh, as a part of the Dodger family and Dodger, uh, you know, fan base and, uh, you know, always being around and, you know, leading some cred to uh, what the Dodger brand is. Oh, that's, that's so nice. I, uh, I, again, I love the, the classiness of this team. I've gotten to know these people that are sort of the family of this. And it really is a family that people that, that go to Dodger games don't see everything behind the scenes, but these people love one another and they're just good people. I've gotten to know 
so many of the players' families, from the Bellingers to the Seegers, uh, you know, it, it's it's just really, really good people. Like, heck, all the way down to Melissa's Produce, you know, with my friends Sharon and Joe Hernandez that run that, um, who are like family to the I, – I call them like the grandma and grandpa of the Dodgers. There's just a really neat culture behind the scenes of this team, and it's sort of everything baseball ought to be. Yeah, for sure. I think you hit it right on the head. That's what we talk about is, uh, you know, how when you're a player and you're going there and uh, you're a part of it and you're in it, how this team constantly keeps taking care of you while you're there. And then I can vouch for even after I've been done now, um, I constantly get reached out to by, you know, not only current players, but by, uh, you know, front office members, by uh, the medical staff still, um, you know, still reaching out to see how things are going or just checking in. And um, that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't leave when uh, you're a part of this family and you've been a part of it. So like I said, we're, I know we've always been glad to have, uh, you know, people around us. And I know uh, you're one of the uh, strongholds in uh, your belief in where this team is. And I know the team in the past has given you reasons to maybe doubt that with not finally getting over the hump. And I'm, I'm glad, uh, you know, we could, as an organization and, and this team could get you over the hump last year and get that uh, World Series, that World Championship to brag about finally. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it, you know, in, in, in such a storybook way to do it, it, on one hand, it's like you think of the adversity of dealing with uh, a cheating scandal that, you know, that's so – left everybody wondering what might have been. Um, I'm not sure, in retrospect, that I would change a thing now. Just the fact that it – it's like, yeah, that's one. That's possibly one less ring, but at the same time, do they make the same moves? Do we end up with Mookie? Do we, do we wind up, um, you know what I mean, with that same determination? Does it mean as much? Um, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing the way it turned out. Yeah, it is. Uh, I would just happy to say I, I wish it would because I wish I would have had a ring. But um, oh, that's right. You know, yeah, but... What am I saying? <laughs> Jeez, this is awkward. <laughs> Dave always gets after me. Hey, Brad, don't trust me. Dave, why are you so soft and calm now? I said, you know what? Like you just said, um, we can't sit there and dwell about it. We got to move on. And does it make the victories that we have later on that more special and, and great? Yeah, I think it does. It adds to it. It adds to um, where, I mean, this, organization was in the early 2000s to where it's at now i mean talk about a total reversal i mean let's just talk about a 20-year uh run right dave i mean yeah. 20 years ago hey uh, that was when brad uh, first came to a dodger game his first dodger game andre was singing the national anthem before a 2000 dodger game that was like Caros, beltre cora uh, kevin brown that's where he started his fandom and and yeah. we all know we're we're all of us here talking. We know where this organization was then. We know where it was, you know, had had it what hadn't even won a playoff game or something in yeah, so many years. Lima and, time, Lima time in two thousand and four. Yeah, until two thousand four, and then had it, and then had it won a series. We you know all that, and to where it's built itself up. I know it's uh, it's uh, you know a pretty special thing, and like you said, I think that's where. It's it's good to have the perspective like you and like a player like me who's been through it, um, you know, uh, from where they come and where we're at, and it's neat to see. And, um, hey, did you get a chance to go to the World Series games last year? 
No, last year I didn't get to. I went to uh, I, I went to the previous two series. Um, okay. You know, I sang at each of those, and I'm I feel like I'm in the record books in some strange footnote in baseball history by singing at uh, game at, at game three of uh, the series with Boston, where it was the longest game in history. So I sang that anthem. Wow. And then and that's the only one they won, but I felt good about that but that's the that was the one i'll never forget that home run from muncie that sealed it but that 18 inning game it was just <laughs> the craziest did you stay all 18 but innings I, yeah wow that's a real I, fan i was there that's a real I fan believe right it hey, dave, you, dave left he he was doing the radio show from home no every bottom half of the inning i would go out there on the steps waiting for a home run and remember both of you must remember this, that Muncy's previous at-bat, he missed a home run by this much that went foul. So he was on Evaldi yeah, that like, night. He was like a foot from the pole. Yes, yes, exactly. It was like we were all screaming, jumping up and down, going, this is it, it's it, it's over. It. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but it was, I mean, that game was insane. Insane. Did you, uh, do you remember the Andre Ethier that used to break bats in the dugout. You guys were talking about Kershaw like he's some freak, but Ethier was a freak as a position player breaking those bats. Now he's Mr. Kinder, gentler, dad of four. So yeah, can you, can you speak from a fan's point of view, Brad, about that version of Andre Ethier? And maybe that's the reason why fans love him so much because he cared. Oh, absolutely. I don't think, I think in baseball, that kind of thing that, that you showed was is is so necessary because on one hand there you know it takes all kinds in this sport um but you i think had a way of getting the entire dugout to come along with you in your intensity don't you think uh yeah i think so sometimes here and there i mean just depends on the moment i think some of them uh Maybe might might have been worn, and some of them weren't. You know, looking back at that, the fact. But yeah, I think you know that's the that's the thing. The the team would always. I heard a recurring theme over all the years is you know sometimes it's just missing that spark, missing that fire. Uh, you know, you go like you just kind of hinted at. You know, you go through a long season of the ups and downs. Uh, you know, it's a six month grind to get through it, and sometimes you just get in this monotonous everyday thing rather than just realizing, Hey, every game out there counts, every at bat counts and you got to keep going, got to keep striving for that. And, uh, you know, that was something I always try to bring was that, you know, I, I don't care if it's, you know, July 17th, um, I'm treating this right. game just as much as it was, if it was the playoffs game, you know, maybe not as, as much importance or, or the, or quite dialed with the same intensity, but I'm going out there trying to get hits and try to get it done to, to keep going. And, um, you know, maybe some of it was overdone, but some of it was just because, you know, hey, you're out there battling, trying to trying to get the most of what you can. And uh, the awful thing about that game, this game of baseball, is it doesn't always give you what you want. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think, though, then that's the beauty of this sport, unlike any other. The length of season and the marathon that it is, uh, that kind of intensity is invaluable because it's – You'll see it. I mean, any year there are teams that miss the cut because they aren't able to keep that up throughout the year. And that's what's also impressive about the team we have right now. 
is I feel like they're doing a really good job but with all the depth. They're able to sort of like, like we were talking about McKinstry a minute ago. It's that intensity that comes from somebody who's out to prove who they are as a player. It, that will get you through the four day, four game stretch where, where Mookie doesn't play. It'll get you through the, you know, somebody rises and keeping that intensity throughout a season is not easy, but this team's doing a good job. I think. You know, Austin Barnes, uh, Andre, Austin Barnes and Brad, Austin Barnes said this yesterday to me that that's what Bauer's bringing. He's bringing that edge to his starts. And I know. So, yeah, he. So tell me about the eye shut last last night. The the one eye shut on when he pitched a story. Did you see that? Yes. In the sixth inning of the first game against the Rockies, uh, he struck out Storyer, got him, got him out by throwing his final pitch to get him to pop out and. I have a feeling that when he closes that right eye, because he does it during the offseason in his bullpens and during spring training, I feel like it's a recalibration in some weird way. I feel like he's trying to get some calibration with one eye shut. I don't think he's doing it just for theatrics. I think there's a purpose to it. He says that, you know, that that there's a purpose, but boy, it's got to be messing with him. <laughs> I mean, when it's he, embarrassing. When he's, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's also he also pointed to it. They showed that recap last night that he pointed to it, like he was either telling Will Smith or he was telling Trevor Story, "Hey, I'm shutting this eye. Watch this. It's very much the redneck saying, watch this.' <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I guess Valencia is very redneck. redneck. Valencia is redneck, Brad. You know that coming to L.A. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thanks a lot for jumping on. I'm glad we could surprise you, Brad, with Andre Ethier. Really appreciate your time. Oh, what an honor. It's really an honor to talk to you, Andre. And I wish I could say the same about you, David. <laughs> Very good, Brad. I, Very good. I, I, second, I second that, Brad. I second that. I'm Dave. <laughs> yeah, I'm teasing. Well, I really do love this show, and I'm I'm thrilled to have, to have talked. And anytime you uh, need to shoot the breeze, I'm around. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I can't wait to see you out at Dodger Stadium, Brad. Maybe you and Andre can sit in those home run seats together. Oh, let's do that. I've, I've been, been uh, dying to get out there and see what those are like. Yeah, I you would love that. Let's, let's, let's set that up for sure. Let's do that. Yeah, we'll sit out there and uh, we'll uh, drink a beer and try to catch a ball in the beer cup. Yeah. Last night, Seeger hit it to a fan in those seats. So there's a real chance. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I saw that. That that guy, what a great souvenir that is. Yeah. Can't wait for you to be out here, Brad and Andre. Thanks a lot, guys, for jumping on. Always appreciate it. And, Andre, we'll talk to you again in our next episode of Extra Innings. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it, and uh, have a great day, Dave. Brad, thanks Thank a lot. You, Andre. Thank hey, you for Dave, your I, time. I absolutely loved it, and uh, keep up the good work, buddy. This is a fun year. Oh, appreciate it. Yeah, back-to-back for the first time in 20 years, Brad. That that really could happen. It really does feel that. You're right. I mean, it feels like that. So let's hope. Because right. they need to celebrate for real this time. Yes, and you need to be at the parade. Oh, I'll be there. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. I won't tell Kershaw or Turner that you came on this podcast, okay, Brad? We'll keep it between us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't. Don't tell him. <laughs> there he goes, Thanks, Brad dude. Paisley. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Great talking to you. Man, that was awesome. Talking shop with Brad Paisley and then surprising him with Andre Ethier. That was really cool. And 
I, I like Brad Paisley before, but I like him even more now. So appreciate him taking the time out, a lot of time, to be part of the podcast. And like I said, we will not tell Kershaw or Turner. I don't want to hurt his street cred with the guys in that clubhouse that he showed up on this podcast. Remember, Extra Innings presented by Corona drops every Wednesday. So don't forget about it. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, and of course, on the iHeartRadio app. And Andre Ethier joins us every Wednesday, every episode, episode four, next Wednesday, it'll drop. So hope you enjoyed this week, and we will talk to you on Dodger Talk, on Morongo Casino, Dodgers on Deck, Petros and Money, Rogan and Rodney. Too much of assay, but this is where we talk baseball. Have a great time, and we'll see you at the ballpark. We don't have to do anything extra. They've made a choice. This has been the Extra Innings Podcast. Extra Dodger content for Dodger fans who can't get enough of the blue. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't miss a single Dodger game at AM570LA Sports on the iHeartRadio app.